Hey, it's Amino Hassan, and you're listening to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. I was on Sun's Reddit earlier this morning, and there was somebody essentially that um, had this piece of memorabilia that a friend had given him back in 19, or a friend had gotten back in 1995 that was like a little award that says congratulations for being a super fan or something along those lines. Anyway, he gave it to this guy on Sun's Reddit because he was no longer a quote unquote super fan. And I, I think that years and years of losing you start to deteriorate the fan base a little bit. And you've spoken to this before, Greg, but a lot of us are fans um, because of the nostalgia that the, the team brings us, which means that you're going to have an entire new generation of people that are going to be fans of the Golden State Warriors, of uh, the Miami Heat, of the Cavalier, whatever, whatever team it is that was successful in that time. And that this will affect the franchise uh, uh, fan base for years to come because there hasn't been nostalgia around this team in the last 10 years. Well, you've lost, and in particular in Phoenix, you've lost the fans to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, growing up here, it was a Suns town. It was Suns and everybody else, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals were a distant, distant second when they were the only two professional teams in town because they were the franchise that couldn't make the playoffs. They were a mess. And for an entire decade now, the Cardinals have, have had playoff runs and, and had, have had star players. Well, the Suns were the mess. And the, the dichotomy here is, is shifted dramatically, which means now you have a generation of super Cardinal fans who, yeah, the Suns are nice or whatever. I kind of watch basketball. And now you're going to lose that completely. There's not going to be that generation uh, behind the fans that grew up with seven seconds or less that that are going to be passionate. So now you're going to have this giant, giant gap in your fan base uh, that it's tough to recover from that, especially when you have a, a terrible 10-year stretch. Now, if you turn around and you start winning over the next 10 years, it's not that big of a deal. But if this extends and you're just mediocre the next decade, you've done immense damage to just the credibility your uh, and the and the fan base, the, the, the depth of your fan base at that point. So if you're listening on the podcast right now, we also do the show uh, via YouTube Live. So just search Sun Solar Panel on YouTube and you can watch with us or you can watch later. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, uh, Richard Feynman, who is watching the show right now, says he is a Suns, fans for, Suns fan for life. So they have three. Yeah, well... <laughs> I, you know, I think I'm pretty well in. I, I I think I'm pretty well in this. I did turn a room in in, in a, a closet in my house into a, a orange and black and purple uh, studio. So I think I'm pretty locked into. So yeah, I guess I guess there's three of us that are, are stuck with this for a while. Look, you're you're not gonna lose hardcore fans that that have gone slogged through this for ten years. What you're gonna do is that they're gonna watch fewer games, maybe. Like I, I'll admit it. Even doing the show, like I used to, I used to watch every game before I was paid to do it, and then you know, after leaving the team and with the losing, I I don't watch every game now. You know, I 
I at least watch the highlights of every game, but I'm not dedicating 48 minutes of, uh, of every game uh, in my life now because I'm like, there's other things. And this is just horrible basketball. I'm not going to watch every second of this because uh, I'm not going to subject myself to that. <laughs> we do have uh, Ja4 over on YouTube said this is a depressing start. He's probably right. We should get moving with the rest of it. Uh, Mark, this is Tim's fault. I did not choose to start here. <laughs> Mark and Joseph said that uh, now they have we have five and six total fans. So All looking right. at that, part of this too is right now legitimately, uh, you know, coming up with like the show content for today. And there's nothing going on with the Suns right now. It was really hard to do. So I wanted to throw you that mean- in there. You mean you don't want to sit here and talk about the cavalcade of second-round talent that they've brought in for draft workouts where we could break down guys that legitimately nobody out there really watched that much of and act like we're experts on it? Because we could do that, <laughs> but I don't think that's – I think that's a disservice to people uh, listening and watching. You know what I really appreciate is that when you're listening to Brian Windhorst or you're listening to Zach Lowe – and somebody asks them something about the draft and they just say, look, that's, I'm not an expert in the draft. Yeah. And I appreciate your honesty. I don't, I, I barely have time to watch this team, let alone the hundred something college teams that, that are out there in, in college hoops. Right. I don't, I don't have time to do that. Uh, I don't have time to lock myself in a room and watch, uh, watch footage till my eyes bleed of uh of everybody that might potentially go in the top 15 there's other people that that'll sit there and tell you they're experts doing that so uh, you know we're, we're at least honest with it I, you know, I can give you general opinions on guys i've watched uh, uh you know a few minutes of on youtube and have read about but you know, <laughs> that's just as good as as anybody else you might as well put a name in a hat and pick it and honestly, we've seen with the draft record around here that you're probably about as accurate at picking a guy by doing that as watching every second of each of them as well because it's a crapshoot. Nobody knows how a guy's going to wind up playing in the NBA or how it's going to project. So anybody that tells you they are is probably lying to you. Well, that's the one thing is you you can't project work ethic. Or you maybe you can, but like we sure as shit can't. <laughs> like we don't know these guys. Uh, I do want to point out. So Ryan Cross on YouTube right now says that he's really excited for summer league, which I think is a good segue because you and I, as well as Dave, who by the way isn't here today, but hopefully he'll be on Wednesday's episode. Um, we're all going to be out in Vegas for summer league. I know that the guys from Fanning the Flames. Um, they're going to be out there as well. I think that we should organize the first Saturday night some sort of Suns fans uh you know get together somewhere after uh, after summer league on saturday night well first off dave is in albuquerque i'm pretty sure to meet heisenberg uh just take that as you will uh if you get the reference good on you and then uh yeah i'm all for a little uh vegas debauchery with uh with sons fans basically it'll just turn into a group therapy session where we all uh want to cry while having a beer in some pretty lame uh uh, lame sports bar on the Vegas Strip, but I'm all for it. So let's do it, right? <laughs> yeah. So as we get closer, we're going to start putting out details of uh, some sort of Suns get together on the first Saturday night in Vegas of Summer League. If you want to join, just hit us up on Twitter. So uh, pretty exciting, I think, or at least something to talk about. Gambo has reported that there is mutual interest between the Suns and Julius Randle. Julius Randle, 24 years old in 73 games last season, 49 starts. 
Uh, he set a new career high with 21 and a half points per game, almost nine rebounds, three assists. Uh, is he the answer possibly at power forward? Probably not. Uh, I talked with some people in, in front offices that basically said he's not the exact fit that you'd want next to DeAndre Ayton, uh, simply because he's not a shooter, uh, shooting 34% last year, I believe, from from three-point uh, land isn't exactly the guy that you want to pair next to DeAndre. He's not a rim protector necessarily. Uh, these were from people that I trust. This isn't just some, you know, random perspective that that I'm throwing out there. But it, to me, this opens a lot. Uh, 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 he may not be the right guy exactly, but I think it brings up a bigger point here, especially – with Suns fans, and I tweeted about this and, and started a, a whole uh, whole mess of trouble for myself on, on social. I, I think it upset some people, and then the, the rest of the fans were like, yeah, you're right. It, it's the fact that it seems like every name that is connected with this team, uh, for better or worse, uh, it, it's – you know, Suns fans are like, man, we, and this isn't everybody. I'm not painting with a broad brush, but it seems like uh, there's a contingent of Suns fans that a name comes up, and these are the same guys that are constantly like, need more talent, need to get better, which is not uh, not in-depth analysis. Everybody knows when you're a 19-win team, you need more talent, you need to, you need to get better. But <laughs> then, then a name is thrown out there, and – it's, well, he's not this, and he's got this problem, and he's got this flaw, and he can't do this, and he shouldn't do that. And he's and there's just this laundry list of reasons why none of these guys will work. You know, it's like if it's not Kevin Durant, uh, well, it doesn't quite make sense. Or if it's not, you know, uh, some all-star point guard who's 24 that has no flaws, then we shouldn't pursue him or, or go after him or spend millions on him. It's like, look, man, you right now, Suns fans are, are beggars, right? And you can't sit there and say, we're hungry, and somebody offers you hamburger and says, and then you say, well, screw you, it ain't filet mignon, and you sit there and you're hungry still, right? It's just eventually the Suns are going to have to get players that may not be perfect, that may have flaws with what they're looking at, but gets you better, takes that next step. Because you're not going to go from 19 wins to a championship caliber team. It's not going to happen. Stop with the Kevin Durant pipe dream, all right? It's fun to have fantasies, but that's what it comes down to is their fantasies. At best, you're going to get a seat at the table to discuss with Kevin Durant, and then he's going to stay in Golden State or he's going to go to New York. He's not coming to Phoenix, all right? And if he does, I'll happily eat these words, right? And you're not going to trade for Anthony Davis with the sixth pick and a poo-poo platter of of failed draft picks that that you have, all right? And unless you're willing to trade DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges and and all this for a potential one-year rental, and then even at that point, I don't think you're at the table with Anthony Davis. So you're going to have to look at a tier like a Julius Randle, like you know uh, an Al Farouk Aminu, Amir. 
Mitich, which are better fit at power forward, but you're going to have to look at a tier below superstar. You're going to have a couple tiers below superstar, quite frankly. You're going to have to find a point guard that you overpay for, whether it's in assets or it's in dollars. That's the position you put yourself in with the chaos that the franchise has had, with the lack of winning that you've had for a decade, you have to overpay to get into the discussion. And I'm all right with that. Take those steps. Maybe take a guy that isn't perfect. That's why you hired Monty Williams, right? If Monty Williams can't get more out of a 24-year-old player who's got talent and can't stretch what DeAndre Ayton is, and make him a better rim protector. Make him more of the shooter. Or find a guy like a Julius Randle, and not necessarily him, but a young guy with talent like that that may not check all the boxes, but that you can coach to eventually check those boxes. If Monty Williams can't do that, then you've just spent a lot of money for five years for a guy that isn't isn't cutting, uh, gooning his job. Because that's why you hire great coaches, to get more out of guys that may not be perfect right now, but can become and grow into the guys that you need the most. Uh, so there, there was a, a bunch of discussion about Noah Vonley and whether or not he could be a good fit, but there, there just simply is a point in which you are not going to get these star 23, 24-year-old players. Julius Randle has his flaws. Uh, most players in the NBA have his flaws, but what were the Suns really bad at last season? Everything, everything, but particularly what were they terrible at? Defense and rebounding and rebounding, right? Rebounding in particular, they're, they're a terrible offensive rebounding team. They were a terrible defensive rebounding team. Uh, a lot of that was, was their fault because they were playing essentially two small guys, um, you know, at, at small forward and power forward. And the thing about rebounding is if, you know, nine times out of 10, if you look at who wins the game, it's because uh, that team out-rebounded the other team. Um, Julius Randle is a very good offensive rebounder. He averages a little over two a game. He's a very good defensive rebounder. Uh, He's not a rim protector. Uh, To your point, though, he does shoot 34% from three. He can space the floor just a little bit. If you're looking at uh, uh, Miritich, for example, he's not a rim protector. Spaces no, but he floor. can space the floor. Right. Then there's other guys you can get that are rim protectors, but are going to clog up the paint. Look, you tell me a a power forward who's a great rim protector that the Suns can get that can also nail it from three. Like who there, who the fuck are we talking about? Name I, one guy, Abaka, maybe. But if you if you have that guy, you're not letting him go. Right. That's the thing to me. Like, yeah, I'd love to find a unicorn that fits every every checks every box and that you can get for eight million dollars. But it's not going to happen. So stop living in a pipe dream and accept that you're going to have to get a guy with flaws. To me, I wonder what is Monty Williams' plan with DeAndre Ayton. That could change a lot of what you need a power forward or. Maybe this regime isn't as hard set on that DeAndre Ayton is a center. Maybe they think he's a power forward at, at some point, depending on what they want to do with him, that then skews the way you go after people as well. If if Monty Williams feels he can turn DeAndre Ayton into a rim protector, he can tap into that potential, then maybe they don't think that's as important with, uh, with the signing here. Or if they're going to take the the cuffs off of what DeAndre Ayton does and stretch his range because in, in college he shot, you know, he shot the jumper. He shot some threes. 
if they stretch that range into the NBA three range, maybe they feel like you don't need a guy that can space the floor as much. There's a lot of questions as to what they think they are going to do with DeAndre Ayton that skews what you're going to do with, uh, with a power forward. So there's all sorts of questions, and I just get frustrated when people – uh, act like they know exactly what is going to happen and exactly why it should happen and, and inflexible about it. Like, I'm not saying jump at every name that's mentioned, but take a breath, right? Julius Randle, the fact that a 24-year-old who averaged 20-plus points, 8-plus rebounds, want, is interested in coming to Phoenix should be something that we're actually excited about from the pure fact that none of those guys have wanted to come to Phoenix for the last decade. So why not at least take a breath and go, hey, that's actually kind of nice because we're talking about a guy with talent rather than turning straight to the flaws. Like, it's it's just nuts to me. You know what's funny is, is last season I actually wondered why the Suns didn't make a harder play or a play at all at Julius Randle and instead, you know, signed Trevor Ariza uh, <laughs> the, the second the, the clock stroke midnight. Um, because I thought he would have been a really good fit on the team. Uh, you know, he, he does have flaws. He can also play the backup five. Um, well, how about how about that point? Trevor Ariza was he wasn't a rim protector, but supposedly a, a three and D guy that was going to be great next to DeAndre Ayton at power forward. How'd that work out for everybody? All right, like you, there's, it's just you're going to have to wind up taking a chance to try to get better here. And if that chance winds up being Julius Randle, I'm not going to storm the castle and try to burn it down. Like there's people that seem like they got the pitchforks ready because Julius Randle's name's been mentioned. Like slow your roll is basically what I'm is is what it amounts to to me. Like are there better fits, quote unquote? Sure, there are. Are those guys interested in coming to Phoenix? Wish I knew. Couldn't tell you. All I know is is what's been reported out there. But, uh, you know, if Julius Randle was the guy you wound up getting, all right, there's worse things that could have happened. Now, do I really want them to clear, uh, you know, 12, 14 million in cap space and spend it on Julius Randle without getting your answer at point guard? No, point guard is is 1A for me. 1B is figuring out power forward, though. Everybody seems to forget they've got a gaping hole there as well. Uh, unless unless you think that gaping Dragon Bender size hole is it can still be filled by uh, by Dragon Bender as a starting power forward, uh, welcome to Bender Island. Uh, your cabana is ready, but uh, there's I'm I don't even think that I'd love to see Bender back as a backup guy that can work with Monty Williams, but I don't think he's the guy you start at power forward. And if he, if you start him at all at power forward next year. James Jones in the front office has failed miserably, right? I, I, I think at this point it would be really difficult to even try and argue that Dragon Bender is a starting caliber player oh, on, on, on a bad team, let alone a good team. I'm barely willing to argue that he is a rotation player right. for an NBA team. I'm just saying give him the end roster spot, see if you can tap into that potential that – that made everybody think he was a lottery pick. Uh, but but that's the thing. The reality is that's who they started at power forward for part of the season. T.J. Warren was the other guy. You really want to go have T.J. Warren started as your power forward? Or, like, you're going to have to gonna have to roll the dice on somebody because you're not filling that hole with a perennial all-star. 
So I do want to take a minute to uh, thank a listener for supporting the show. And if you're watching right now on YouTube or you're listening um, on the podcast version of this and uh, you want to support the Sun Solar Panel podcast, you can do so. It's really easy. There is a support the show button within the show notes, within the description below. Uh, you can donate $1, $5, or $10 a month. If you do the $10 option, I will personally send you some Sun swag. But I do want to thank Joseph Shook, who's actually watching on uh, YouTube right now. He did the $10 one, so thank you, Joseph. We really do appreciate you. And to answer your question, who is the power forward for Utah? Uh, that is Derek Favors. So again, that's another name that the Suns could get, um, but he has his flaws too. Rim protector, sure. Can he shoot outside of like seven feet? No, so you have your damn issue there too. Yeah, and my question is, okay, so you get this quote unquote rim protector, right? That in most cases, like you mentioned, they're not shooters. So then how does the offense work? What are you doing with DeAndre Ayton? Like there's just, there's so many questions right now. And I, I don't know that we understand what Monty Williams wants to do enough to understand what the right fit uh, in this, in this system is next to DeAndre Ayton. All right. So working on getting Justin, from Fanning the Flames onto uh, the podcast. Um, Tyler Johnson still hasn't decided to pick up his 19.2 player option, uh, $19.2 million player option, I should say. Uh, he has until June 29th. Greg, why? Why has he not claimed this? I don't get this at all. Like, there's not even been a whisper about what he's going to do. Uh, they honestly, we talked about this before. I kind of wonder if they're trying to negotiate some longer term deal with him that that, uh, you know, takes care of that money. I don't I don't know why in, in any realm that he wouldn't have picked it up. If you had given me if you had told me to make a prediction or gave me odds on this uh, a, a while ago, I would have said he would have run to wherever in the league office he had to email in or fax or drop off his, uh, his sign his option to pick that up and would have been like, yep, give me that 19 million right now. Uh, the fact that it's radio silence is very bizarre. To me. Does it give you hope? Perhaps they are working something out. I don't know. My question is, do I really want Tyler Johnson for long-term locked in for the money that it would take to get him to leave the 19 million this year? Do they need that cap space that bad? And are they that sure that they can't use Tyler Johnson in a trade to clear that cap space? Like you're mortgaging part of your future for Leaf right now in the present. And that's not always the smartest thing to do like in, in financially or, uh, you know, in a basketball sense. So if you believe Tyler Johnson is a true part of this future, the core of the next you know, mediocre Suns team to be an eighth seed in the playoffs, uh, you know, like, because that's really what the next five years likely uh, your trajectory is. Uh, if you believe that, then, then yeah, extend him and save the money now. But I'm not sure I believe that. I, I just, he's nice, but is he your backup point guard, backup shooting guard that, that you need moving forward? A lot better than Jimmer for debt. Well, yeah, if we're talking the scrap heap of crap that they uh, that they pulled in and out of this lineup last year, sure, yeah, he's much better than that. But if we're talking about building a sustainable roster and a quote-unquote championship culture like they've talked about uh, from 
both the locker room and and a roster standpoint, I don't know. I don't know that you want to lock your your future to him to save the money. I like Tyler Johnson. I don't like him at 19 million, but I think he's a very valuable player. I think that he has a, a winning pedigree. I think he's great defensively. I think he's a great combo guard. Um, yeah, but do I you like, like him. him at five years, 40 million? Five years, 50 million. I mean, that's like a, about talking. what you're paying a backup point guard. But that's my question, though. Are you willing to commit right now four or five years to Tyler Johnson and, 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 and latch yourself to that without fully knowing what you're building? I, I don't know. I, I like him, and I think there certainly are things. But that's, that's what we're dealing with here is, okay, you can get that instant relief now if you negotiate with him, but you're saying, yes, we want you for four or five years. Now, he's a lot easier to trade You know, if a year from now you go, hey, uh, are you interested in Tyler Johnson at, with three years and $10 million a year left on the deal? A lot easier than one year and $19 million, but not a lot easier, but at least uh, you know, not as hard as to trade as a $19 million contract, but it's a, it's a long-term decision that you're making rather than uh, a, a short-term play that you're making with that $19 million. I, I'm, I don't know is my answer. And I know that's like the worst thing you can say when you're hosting a show, but I, I genuinely don't know if Tyler Johnson is worth it. Uh, tying four or five years to it just to just to save the money this year because i believe that you can find somebody that'd be willing to take on that on that salary because they know it's expiring somebody that that may want to get in but the other question is if you're clearing that cap space what are you clearing it for is there somebody worth spending uh spending good money on that to that it's going to take to either trade tyler johnston or shuffle the deck to clear that space for you so Justin from Fanning the Flames at So Says Jay, he's joining us right now. He's still working on turning on that camera. How many other backup point guards over Tyler Johnson in the league right now would you rather have? Obviously, the name that comes to mind because of where we're at would probably be Fred Van Vliet. But, I mean, realistically... Fred Van Vliet, Malcolm Brogdon, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, those are just off the top of my head three backup point guards that I'd rather have. And I'd have them as my starting point guards if I acquired them. But uh, like that, that's, you're right though. He's a, and, and he's a combo. It's not just your backup point guard. He could be your backup shooting guard. He offers a lot. It's just, uh, it's, it's what does this future look like? And I don't know enough about what James Jones is trying to accomplish or what Monty Williams wants to do to answer that question right now. And I don't think anybody does. That's the thing. None of us really know what James Jones is thinking in this. We're going to know a lot more in the next five weeks because we're going to see what he thinks in the draft. We're going to see what those first moves he makes via trade or free agency are. And this puzzle is going to start to come together a lot more at that point. So something we've talked about before, but Drew on YouTube right now, he says that I think one of our priorities should be re-signing Ubre. When we had our best starting five, which included him, we had a winning record of nine and seven. That is true. Uh, Kelly Oubre, um, Oubre, Aiton, and Booker were one of two lineups that was a net positive per 100 possessions last season off the top of my head. I think it was uh, they were a, a positive one point in that time, which isn't great, but still a positive lineup. Uh, and then the only other three-man lineup that was a positive 
was Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton. So I think that we all agree the priority is re-signing Oubre, and it does seem like there's a, a lot of love back on that side. You had uh, Ayton, which just posted a picture on Instagram not too long ago of him and Oubre. So. Yeah, we've talked about this, though. What's the price? If it's $20 million, which any team would be insane to offer Kelly Mil- Kelly Kelly million Kelly Oubre twenty million, but I mean if it, there's there's a point where that price creeps a little too high 16, 17, you get in that range, is Kelly Oubre worth that? Because again, this is about the long term for next year. Yes, I I would love Kelly Oubre back and wouldn't care what the price is because uh, he makes you better tomorrow. But in the next four or five years, committing to him long term and at, at dollar numbers, you have to look at at some point you're going to have to resign DeAndre Ayton to a large contract. How you have to start playing that that puzzle of that financial puzzle of how do we make this work moving forward for the cap space and build a true winner here. So there's there's moving parts. Yes, Kelly Oubre in a vacuum is a guy you want back. No brainer based on what he was able to do, what he meant to that locker room. But when you take a step out, one, two rings outside and you go, okay, looking at those other factors, it's going to depend on that, that dollar amount and, and what, what it is. Uh, I want to me, I wonder is, is this going to be one of those, the Suns are going to say, look, this is what we're going to pay you. Uh, sit there, wait, we're going to do this in, in, in a certain order so we can get the cap space lined up and, and they're going to agree to that? Or is he going to go sign an offer sheet with somebody else and force the Suns to have to match that? I don't know. It's going to be an interesting little dance that we're going to have to watch there as well. Justin, you there? I believe so. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Can't see you, but I can hear you. Your thoughts. Kelly Oubre. By the way, thank you. No Thanks for joining us uh, 40 minutes later. We appreciate you. <laughs> hey, it, better late than never, right? It's better than Dave King who didn't show up at all. So uh, thanks, <laughs> Justin. Baby steps. If I'm just a little bit ahead of Dave, even for just this morning, I'll consider it a win. Well, at, um, you, even, though, at, even though I'll consider my, my, my inability to figure out how a camera on my computer that I use on a daily basis works a, a complete and utter loss. I think you have to at, hit the camera button. <laughs> you know you know what tim thank you thank you <laughs> sorry this is a podcast too um just so you know uh justin we were talking about summer league earlier and we offered you and paul up for a uh phoenix suns get together on the first saturday night of summer league so now you guys are helping us plan it and you're going to be there i hope you don't mind that sounds fantastic. We did something similar to that last year when we were there for summer league, and it was, it was, it was a blast. A lot of people showed up. I would say we probably had twenty to thirty or so Suns fans show up. It was very conveniently located at the hotel that Paul and I were staying at at the time, so it was wonderful. But it was a good time, and there were, uh, you know, what for for a team that has been suffering for the past decade or so, uh, the fans don't travel too poorly. But I guess it probably helps when you're going to Las Vegas too. It never oh. makes anything a little, n- never makes anything much more difficult that way. We also offered up that you'd pay for everybody's hotel and drinks at this event. So uh, just so you're aware of that as well. Well, you know, I'll start saving up right now then, I guess. <laughs> or I'll just pass that buck over to Paul because I'm sure he's 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 even more of a 
a gracious host than myself. So I think that he would be willing to hop on with that. In fact, I'll even say right now, I'm 99% sure Paul will, Paul will go ahead and foot that bill and his wife will totally be fine with it. Everybody's staying at the Excalibur, $33 a night, my friends. Enjoy. So, so uh, <laughs> uh, the one thing I think part of the reason why Suns fans travel so well when it comes to Summer League is because you basically get to see the Suns starting lineup. <laughs> well, not this year. Not there's this no year. way. There's no way DeAndre Ayton's playing in this uh, in this summer league this year. But right? but the last couple of years, it's been like, oh, I'm actually watching the Suns right now. I I thought Josh Jackson might actually wind up playing some minutes in summer league, and then we find out he's in a soft cast yesterday. So uh, I guess that's not going to happen. Yeah. Which is always great you know, for trade value as well. Hey, this guy just got arrested, gosh. and now he's in a soft cast. Can we interest you in him? <laughs> Paul and I were talking about that, actually, too. Whether whether DeAndre would play in Summer League. Um, well, maybe like a Booker when Booker came in. I think that was his second year and played a game or two games or something like that. Um, one thing that came up in that conversation, and, and Paul said he thought it heard a report on this, I'm not sure that I had yet, but that is, has Monty Williams indicated whether he's going to coach at all during summer leagues? I know a lot of times, you know, when a head coach comes into a team brand new, they sometimes hop in and coach that first summer just to kind of get their themselves reacclimated and whatnot. I have not heard if Monty Williams is or isn't going to coach, but I thought the same thing, that you would see – DeAndre Ayton play at least a game if Monty Williams is uh, is the one that's going to be coaching the group because that's invaluable. That's time that uh, that he gets with with his new head coach and gets to work on the system. Just the practice time, not even playing in a game, uh, that just becomes invaluable for a guy, especially like DeAndre Ayton, who has so much that uh, he played so well in his first year, but we all know that there's so much untapped potential that Monty Williams is here to uh, to crack into. It'll be it'll be interesting. My guess is if Monty Williams coaches, yeah, and and there. for the sake of us, sons. Oh, sorry about that. I cut out. I thought you were done. Um, I was going to say for the sake of us, sons fans that are going to be traveling to go to summer league. I hope Monty Williams coaches. So I hope then that DeAndre Ayton plays, and I hope as many people play as limited as they can, you know, without risking anything, so we can have an opportunity to see them showcase themselves a little bit before the, the regular season comes rolling around. Yeah, my guess is we'll probably get to see at least a few games of Mikhail Bridges uh, out mm-hmm. there, uh, which which will be good. I, I'm interested to see what, what Monty Williams can do with him, in particular uh, on the offensive end and what they do there. Uh, I to be frank, I'm not very excited about watching whoever the number six pick is, and I'm hopefully pleasantly surprised. But like, just after years of hey, you know, we got the fourth pick, the first pick. I just six in a in a week draft just does not it, it does not get my juices flowing. Yeah, it is a little difficult to get excited about that, especially considering the fact that we're coming off of the lottery where you know we fell a few spots and we've seen like you said espo year after year going into summer league going all right we got this guy all right we got this guy now it's kind of like okay how much more can we get excited about rookies that we're getting especially like you said also weak draft um yeah i want to see what we've got out there and uh you know hopefully see some of the guys that are going to be keys to the future play some games out there in vegas while uh, we enjoy the other fun 
enticements of is, uh, Sin City. Is, is, is Mikel Bridges, you guys think he's going to be playing? Yeah, we were just talking about that. I think that uh, I think that we'll at least see a handful of games at a at a Bridges. It it just he's a guy that you can justify. Yes, he still needs to work on his game a little bit. He sure he played a a lot of minutes, but there's a benefit to him being out there, especially as we mentioned. If Monty Williams is coaching in summer league, there's certainly a uh, a good argument to be made why Mikhail Bridges should be uh, should be playing out there. I'd be interested. What do you guys think? Do you think there? What do you think the percentage chance is that Dragon Bender is on someone's summer league roster? Ooh, ooh. I think it's seventy five percent. I think he's certainly going to wind up having to prove himself in summer league. Is he eligible? Uh, I'm not sure he's eligible. I think because he's a free agent, uh, he can decide to play. It's true. Assuming he's eligible, I'm going to price his right U.S. bow and say that I say there's a 76% chance oh. um, because I think if a team's going to pick him up, um, they're going to want to give him that opportunity to play in summer league because obviously the level at which he plays is is a level that still needs improvement. And if he, again, is eligible, I would see a team wanting to see what he can do, what improvements he's made in the offseason and giving him every opportunity that he can to work on his game because, you know, as hard as it is to say it, he continues to see those flashes and, you know, whether it's it's somehow in a son's uniform or elsewhere, you, you, you still think as a fan and as a guy that's watched him for as long as all of us have, that maybe that's going to come together at some point. And if a team is expecting or hoping that that's going to happen, it's going to require him to have every opportunity he can get to put that all together, including playing in the summer league if, if necessary. Look, let's not lie. We all know that Greg Popovich is going to get his hands on Dragon Bender. <laughs> that three-point shot's going to start to fall. And, and all of a sudden, we're all going to be like, oh, so that's the real Dragon Bender. Great. Have fun, Pop. You know, like that's, that's the reality of how this is going to go, right? Why you got to ruin my Saturday morning? Well, because if if I'm thinking it, you all have to be on this pity train, too. Fair point. All right. So the Suns bringing in a lot of second-round prospects over the last couple of days. Um, all of these guys, I've never even heard their names, so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I've heard the schools they've gone to, though, so that's a win. Uh, but what I did want to talk about is multiple prospects have been complimenting Monty. Uh, this is a report from uh, Kellen o- Olson. Um, one even saying that he'd wish he'd brought a notebook to write down everything Monty was saying. Uh, there were some other comments that Monty had too, where he was saying, look, we just tried to uh, have the workouts be what we would appreciate if we were players. And I think that so far, this is really giving me more confidence in him as a coach. Okay. I love Kellen, uh, but to me, this report is, okay, so a bunch of 19-year-old kids liked Monty Williams. If if they came in and the 19-year-old kids were like, Monty Williams sucked at running this practice. Like, what, are, what do we expect these kids to say, A, and B, Yes, that's what Monty Williams is supposed to do is be a good coach. Like I don't I don't get why this was like some revelation, some breath of fresh air that he he ran a workout and the 19-year-old kids who are hoping that this team pays them millions said nice things about him. Like okay, great. <laughs> like I I I don't know. It just did not resonate to me as some big deal. Like it felt like something 
you know, that the team, a storyline, the team was trying to get out there, but meant nothing to me in the, in, in the larger picture of things like, I, okay, nice that they said it. If they had said the opposite, that would have been a total and utter disaster, but really great. No big deal to me. Maybe I'm an ass. Maybe that's the problem, but. <laughs> You know, I'm going to take a bit of a more optimistic outlook on it and, and say, <laughs> "Thank you, thank you." At Justin. least, at least, at, at least, these kids weren't saying Monty Williams sucks and he's 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 going to be an absolute failure. Not that they would, but you know, as Suns fans, we have to take the the positives when we can get them. Now, what what I will say that maybe is not as optimistic, and maybe it's a bit uh, of a tangent, but hey, that happens. Is the first few times I've heard Monty Williams speak, be interviewed, what have you. I had this weird feeling, this weird feeling in my gut that he reminded me of somebody and and that somebody was Earl Watson in terms of like just the inspirational kind of push that he gives with his with his with his messages he sends across. But and like I said, that might be a little less positive, but here comes the spin of the optimism. But there's a different feel to Monty Williams. Like he's saying it, and it's not just all this kind of bluster. Like, hey, we're gonna love each other and do yoga together and whatnot. There's substance behind what he's doing, and I think that's why when you hear something like these 19-year-old kids coming out and saying, "Yeah, he he's doing this incredibly well. He's running these practices uh, well. He's he's doing a great job." That is more positive than perhaps what you would, you know, than Espos take. I take it as more positive than Espos take because there seems to be, again, substance behind the whole inspirational, motivational type thing that, you know, Watson kind of had on the surface, but obviously didn't have in substance since he did nothing with the players in terms of motivating them. I feel like Monty Williams is he has that same motivational intent, but he's actually getting through with it and he's actually succeeding in it, uh, at least based on the small sample size that we have. And hopefully that just continues to grow and shows results with the roster and the, and the, and the team and the record uh, this season and the seasons to come. I wish I, do you guys, did you guys watch the Pee Wee Herman show when you were kids and the word of the day, the secret word was said and, they all went, ah, and Cannon shot off. Anytime somebody says small sample size on the show, I wish we had that uh, that effect. But uh, I, no, I agree. I agree with you. I had a, a similar thought in terms of uh, in terms of Monty Williams and being the fully realized version of Earl Watson that we always wanted. Somebody that no, that we, has we that, never wanted that. No, we did. We wanted a guy that could be motivational, could coach, could connect with players. Like that's what you want, right? Uh, Earl Watson was was the shell of that. He was the guy that uh you know, he was the Walmart version. We've got the Nordstrom version now, right? He's the guy <laughs> that can live up to to what you want. And and I, my, I, so that what I said wasn't meant as a negative on Monty Williams. I, I believe in this guy and I I think this is what I just Maybe I just expected to hear that if he was running, running uh, workouts, and that not that it should be some revelation or some surprise. Like, yes, it's good that they enjoyed the workout, that they like Monty Williams, that they think that he's super smart. But I expected that because that's why you dedicated 
Uh, well, that's why you fired a coach after one year to get in the discussion to get Monty Williams, and then you paid him for a, a five-year contract because you believe him to be that guy. So I guess I guess my biggest problem was there was like a sense of surprise, like "Ooh, this is this is good," and to me, it's like this is what we all should have expected. Like, are we, are we, has our standards been lowered that much that when a coach has said, yes, he's doing his job, people are like, oh my God, finally, we have a coach that can do his job. Like, yes, I, yes, Greg, they, <laughs> they've been lowered. I guess that's the truth. As I was saying it, I went, you know what? Yeah, actually, that is where we're it's, at. It's, it's kind of like dating in your 30s. You know, this is this is what you have, right? You have uh, single moms. You have um, people that are single because they're so because they you aren't attracted to them. Uh, and you have the, the, the people that are just fucking batshit crazy. So nobody wants them. And that's really what you have when you're dating in your 30s. It's kind of like the Phoenix Suns trying to find a new head coach. Yes, if they resemble any sense of normalcy, it's exciting for the fan base. Okay. I want to know which I want to know which of those categories the Suns would fall into: the bad shit crazy, <laughs> the ugly, or whatever the first one Single was. Moms. I missed that one. <laughs> yes, all of them. Yes. <laughs> no, I actually think what you just described is more uh, is more about the free agency stuff, right? Why you can't look at Julius Randle and go, "Oh my God, no," because. You're the third. You're, you're the one dating in your thirties. You're gonna have to accept there's some flaws with with who you wind up pairing up with, uh, you know. So so you gotta look at it with free agency too. Just accept it, you know. Well, then you have to wonder which which camp do you fall in because you're also single in your thirties. You know, I can tell this for the Suns. For myself, it's hard, but you know, for the Suns, I can tell you guys are uh, a, a franchise that has been in a certain amount of dysfunction. For a while, there's a lot of hope in the fan base and they have a good core and it seems like Monty's going to be a good coach, yada, yada, yada. But they're in this position because they, too, are not that attractive of a uh, partner. They're the ones that were in a, a good marriage that went sideways and now they're trying to figure out what what they are. These last 10 years have been the bender that they've gone on after after they got they broke up with uh, with their original uh, spouse and now they're now they're trying to piece it back together. That's that's what the sons are, you know. Uh, Justin, I want to ask you a question. So you haven't been on the podcast in uh, a couple of months now. Um, but w there has been a lot that has happened with the Suns recently, and there's been a lot of uh, moves that have been made. Obviously, you know, we're talking about more front office moves, and there seems to be some sort of hope or optimism. Maybe it's 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 blind hope that Robert Starver has turned some sort of corner. Uh, what is your take? Are, are, are you optimistic about where this franchise is at right now, given some of the recent moves? I wish my camera was working right now because I have the biggest smile ever on my face. Uh, because as as many people know, I am the president of the Robert Sarver Fan Club here in Arizona. Uh, I might be the only person that not only tolerates him, but likes him. Does he have his faults? Yes. But I do believe that over the... I, I think it's been years that he's been trying to improve them. He's moved himself away from center court. He's no longer that rah-rah, look at me. I'm at center court every game being an obnoxious ass owner like I would be if I owned a basketball team. He's moved himself off to this side. On top of that, he has, I believe, slowly but surely started working his way out of 
the day-to-day operations of the team. I mean, we used to hear a lot of different stories about how he meddled. People would call him cheap. He was he wasn't about winning. He's about the bottom line. All that kind of stuff. I I feel like those stories, especially about the meddling, has have kind of become less and less consistent throughout the past few years. Now, of course, I say that, and he fired a head coach like three games into a season, fired a GM eight days before. But let's put those two small guys aside. Um, but back to your original point, yeah, I, I do feel like this is you know showing a, a growth in Robert Sarver. Uh, when you have a situation come up like you did with Monty Williams in particular, where he says that, you know, he went to Colangelo and Colangelo told him that, you know, he should go and work for Robert Sarver, where Sarver went to Colangelo and talked to him about the situation. That seems to me like like a couple of things that if we were talking about four or five years ago, those would not have occurred. You wouldn't you, you didn't have a Robert Sarver back then who. I think would go to a Jerry Colangelo and and ask for input, ask for advice. You don't have a Robert Sarver who would sit down with Monty Williams like he did in this situation and admit the faults that were there and how he ran the team in the past and convince this guy who, by all accounts, is a smart dude who I don't think is going to have the wool pulled over his eyes by a Robert Sarver. There's no desperation to really allow that to happen because he out of everyone we've seen coming and going with the Phoenix Suns organization over the past decade or so, whether it be head coach, whether it be GM, this guy has himself um, already established in the league. So he has no reason to say, okay, well, maybe this is going to suck, but I'll give it a whirl because I can get my feet wet here. Uh, That's the type of thing that I don't think would have happened five, six years ago under the Robert Sarver that existed at that time. So when you take the totality of the circumstances and put them all together, I think there's no other conclusion you can reach besides the fact that Robert Sarver is slowly but surely learning what it takes to be an owner in the NBA. And maybe much to his relief, he's realizing it doesn't take as much as it takes to become successful like he did through his other industries because he can sit back and let people that know what the hell they're doing handle the situation a lot more so than they could, you know, when he was going through his banking or real estate investment or what have you. Justin, 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 there are plenty of other (laughs) conclusions. I, I I love your optimism and, uh, and wish I could take a, take a hit of that stuff. You know, like it sounds, that sounds spectacular. Uh, I think there are a couple other conclusions. Uh, we may be in a honeymoon phase here, and we've kind of seen, uh, you know, Robert Sarver go through this. Go back and look at the beginning of the Ryan McDonough tenure, and we heard a lot of the same things. You know, oh, he's going to be different with Jeff Hornacek. He has respect for for Ryan McDonough. He's given assurances that he's going to stay out of things. You know, uh, we've heard the song and dance before. Uh, so we could be in a honeymoon phase where this all changes the first time that they lose, right? The first time that they, they lose a few games in a row, all of a sudden that shifts back. Uh, the other thing, and I threw this out there last week and I'm probably being vastly irresponsible by throwing it out there again, but I wonder, has the league intervened at all here? Jeff Bauer, uh, winds up here. He's, we've heard nothing from him whatsoever he's been in the shadows but he's he's randomly here wasn't really a celebrated hire uh and then you wind up getting jerry colangelo out of the blue being heavily involved in 
in hiring uh, or helping get the new head coach of the Phoenix Suns to be hired, a guy that the league handpicked when they uh, circumvented uh, the Philadelphia ownership uh, in hopes of trying to turn around what was going on there. When he had that with the, I think it was the Ramona Shelburne report or whoever it was at ESPN earlier this year about how dysfunctional the Suns front office was and, and ownership and how worried the league was with things. Uh, it makes me wonder, is something more going on here? Because the, the sum of, of the parts, just a, something seems off with everything that's going on. Could be totally wrong. I hope I am. I hope Robert Sarver's a changed man because I've always said he's like your crazy uncle. I can't, I didn't dislike uh, many of the times I interacted with him. I actually found it humorous, you know, for numerous reasons. Uh, but it's just some of the actions that we've seen. I hope he's a changed man. I hope this this narrative of, of him uh, and all these things disappears over the next 20 years and we see the same kind of success that, that, that the son saw under Colangelo. And this is a forgotten piece of the time. But something just doesn't add up right now for me. And on that note, we do need to end the podcast because I only want to do so much editing. Also, I do have somewhere to be. So Justin from the Fanning the Flames podcast, thank you so much for joining us. You can find him on Twitter at So Says Jay. You can find Fanning the Flames anywhere that you do listen to podcasts. Maybe. I believe so. <laughs> and uh, we will see you out at uh, Summer League, even though you don't want to stay in the same hotel room as me and Espo. <laughs> that, well, you know smart move. <laughs> i've got i have i have i have no response to that i'm just gonna let that one i heard paul out there i heard paul sleeps naked i heard espo sleeps naked i thought this could be uh a, 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 an instagram worthy moment did you have you uh, have you watched Arrested Development? I'm a never nude. All right, there's always jean shorts on. Jean shorts. That does not surprise it's, me, my friend. It just it just got better, actually. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm Tobias, so enjoy that. All right. So if you guys do want to support the Sun Solar Panel, you can open up the show notes in the description below. Hit the support the show button. A dollar a month really does go a long way. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And again, we are doing these YouTube lives every single Wednesday. At 7 p.m., we're doing a short episode. If you want to join us, it's about 10, 15 minutes or so. We'd love to have you. Until then, we will talk to you guys on Wednesday.